Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homerism Podcast here. Uh, the Sooners have a big trip to Morgantown for Black Friday and a season-closing game with uh, the West Virginia Mountaineers. So I've invited uh, Mike Kazaza of Ear Sports to come on and uh, join us. Let's go ahead and welcome him on. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Alan. How are you doing? Doing real well, man. Thank you. Um, so, Mike, uh, last weekend I was watching uh, the game there, uh, West Virginia at Oklahoma State. 17-point lead for the Mountaineers at halftime, and I kind of figured they just cruised through the second half. It didn't go down that way. Can you give us an idea kind of how things fell apart for uh, West Virginia in the second half there? <laughs> they uh, they fell apart exactly as the history of um, that's a, a an ageless story. I believe someone's written a book about it. <laughs> that these things happen, and they happen at the worst and sometimes the most expected times. It's, it was really shocking to me, um, but some really questionable, curious, uh, actually stupid because I'm going to use the head coach's words, stupid <laughs> decisions for calling plays on offense and you know, a really bad defensive performance against a defense that was not as good as its statistics had indicated um, and is really kind of wheezing here toward the finish. And Oklahoma State, uh, not a great team at home, not a great defense, you know, seems to pull one of these out every so often. This is two this year. I mean, all, all these indications that it wasn't going to happen in West Virginia, and it happened. It was the confluence of a bunch of factors. Forget the whole ridiculous, this always happens to West Virginia. A lot went wrong, and, and it just mixed up a uh, – a pretty bad potent potion for West Virginia and, and just couldn't get out of it when they needed to. Yeah, um, so let's talk about that defense here because uh, obviously, I mean, Oklahoma's coming in with uh, one of the few offenses in the country that can match uh, West Virginia in terms of firepower. Uh, you mentioned they're, you, they're kind of wheezing here to the finish line, which sounds like a familiar story uh, in around Norman, but yeah. what's been what's been the biggest problem there on that side of the ball? Offenses. I mean, they've yeah. – let's be honest. The Big 12's offenses this year are not what they've been. Um, and West Virginia's schedule is backloaded. Uh, I, I really Dana, – Dana's been good against Texas Tech, and Tony Gibson has, like, the Texas Tech pill. Uh, he stopped them for a long time. Um, but outside of that, they haven't played a very good offense. And Texas got after him. Oklahoma State got after him. And here comes Oklahoma. Um, and those are their, their final four games of the season. And, you know, you can't do anything about the games and how they're scheduled. So they kind of got healthy against, you know, an uh, an average, maybe even below average, Kansas State, Kansas. Uh, they, they stunned Baylor and knocked Baylor on their on their heels with their offense, and that totally changed the game. And you know, Baylor's got a good offense and had a hard time, but it was playing one side and then lost the quarterback. Um, and they just hadn't seen offenses like Texas, which not in the same conversation necessarily – but, you know, kind of went up and down against West Virginia. Oklahoma State went up and down against West Virginia. And, you know, there are signs with, with this defense when it's not going well. Uh, and, and when the offensive coordinator and the, and the head coach are calling fourth down at the 50 because they know that they can't stop the other team's offense, that's a, that's a gigantic neon arrow flashing down at the defense. And, and teams puff their chest out and go after him. There's, there's not a whole lot scary about this, this defense right now. Uh, David Long's a really good player. Um, kind of a terror in the backfield. They don't have a singular pass rusher. They don't have a shutdown corner. They don't have a killer safety. Um, and those are kind of the spots where you got to be really good in the Big 12. Having a good linebacker is fine, but those impact spots, they just don't have those impact players. Does it feel like they're falling down more against the pass, the run, or both? 
they get pushed around sometimes in the run game. That's the nature of playing that three-man front. You're you're outnumbered at least five to three. Um, sometimes when that quarterback's running, they get into really bad situations, um, and their linebacker situation is a mess this year. They've lost four you know starter quality players to ACL injuries from the spring on. Um, they're playing they're playing a former walk on who would have been the third string outside linebacker as their starter in the middle right now. Uh, his backup is a guy who just hadn't played in his first two years, and they're getting big-time snaps on the road against Oklahoma State. That's bad, and that's the middle linebacker too. Um, and when you go fast like Oklahoma State does, that kind of keeps your, your defense in disarray. So their running defense was pretty bad Saturday against Oklahoma State, um, but they also had 51 snaps in the second half, 30 yeah. in the fourth. That's unfair. Um, you know, their corners can have good games. Um, and it's it's really kind of hard to pick on the corners because there isn't much of a consistent pass rush unless they really bring it on defense. And that kind of exposes the corners to uh, to bad situations. Their safeties, their free safety is really good. Kenny Robinson, he, yeah. he's probably a future pro. He's a sophomore. But, you know, their other two safeties have been all right. And I would say just all right. Trayvon Askew-Henry was, you know, a freshman All-America who's battled injuries and a position change. And, He's been just all right at Spur this year. Toy Sabre um, is their bandit, was maybe their best safety at the start of the year. He's been injured. He can't tackle right now. He's having a hard time because he's playing with one shoulder. Um, and that's your back line. So if runs do get through, uh-oh. And by the way, you kind of have to have good defenses to guard the pass in this league. So they have, they've had trouble sometime. Um, and especially against one-on-one situations, whether it's Wesley or Humphrey or Butler. One-on-one battles that haven't gone their way. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a tough league. Um, you know, so I guess then, you know, I guess, you know, coming in, if you're Oklahoma, um, is there one side of the ball where, I mean, pardon me, one way you'd be attacking them? Would you be looking to pound it a little bit more? Would you just, uh, you know, would you go more through the air? Is, is how I mean, what would, you, what would you do if you were scheming for them? I, you know, I would just do Oklahoma. Man, who stopped them and slowed them down? Um, yeah. Army? <laughs> which isn't a defensive thing. Which isn't a defensive thing, right? That may give Dana some ideas about running the ball, but uh, I mean, why would you? If you're Oklahoma and you're leading the country in yards per game, yards per play, and points per game, which is amazing at this stage of the season, I'm not sure I'd change anything up. I'd make West Virginia stop me, um, and that means what they're probably going to do is they're probably going to try to stop the run and and make Murray beat them. And I think they'll take their chances on that. But you know, their blitz hasn't been very good to contain this year. Quarterback. I'll worry about uh, Blitz and Murray because that, that draw play against Kansas was frightening. Yeah. Not that that's going to be the place every Blitz, but man, it's through the middle, not been around the corner. I like that can squirt through the middle if that's trouble. Um, you know, when he breaks outside, he looks at the field. You know, this this looks like previous Oklahoma offenses, and they've had their way with West Virginia just by doing what they do. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about, though, the other side of the ball. I mean, i got to think that uh, Holgo, though, is licking his chops looking at uh, what Oklahoma is bringing out on defense because it's just been so uh, – it doesn't matter what teams want to do lately, uh, run, throw, whatever. I mean, they've been able to do it. Um, I guess let's start off, you know, the the new kind of leak that uh, sprung in the dam for Oklahoma's defense was just such a poor run, run defense uh, last week against Kansas. Uh, how well suited do you think uh, West Virginia is to take advantage of that right now? They better. There's no excuse for not getting 200 yards against Oklahoma State. That was pretty bad. Now, they hit 200 even when you go with sack adjustments. They lost 11 yards on sacks, so 200 even is fine. But, Alan, they ran the ball 
13 times in the fourth, first quarter, 14 times in the second quarter, and had, I want to say, 160 yards. They finished with 189. They ran the ball 16 times in the second half. Yeah. It's crazy. That's not how you do that on the road. That's not how you play with a 17-point lead. That's not how you beat a team when they can't stop the run. And, like, those runs include Greer running, a jet sweep to a, a receiver, you know, sacks, yeah. stuff like that. So that, that 16, I think, is actually 11. That's awful. How can yeah. you do that? <laughs> yeah. So – that's going to be a focus here. Holgerson was really mad about that after the game um, and was was pretty short and pretty clear about that, that they were good and they just stopped running the ball and he couldn't explain it. Um, so that's going to get cured, I'm pretty sure. Their offensive line has been pretty good of late, um, but they're, they're on such a razor's edge there too. They have very good tackles. Their center is good for, if not one, then two or three illegal snaps a game. Uh, right, guard, right guard had been a mess for them. Uh, a kid they were trying to redshirt at right tackle. Um, to make him a right tackle next year. He started the season as a right guard. Now he's playing right guard again. And he got injured last game, and they had to move their starting left guard to right guard. So you're making two changes there in the middle, and and things just deteriorated there. I I do think that's a possible explanation for why they didn't run the ball very much because their guard center guard wasn't very good. Uh, They made some changes, and Oklahoma State was getting after him um, up front, which Oklahoma State does. So – I do think they'll fix that. What's curious to me is Dana's always had a way with Mike Stoops defense. This is not Mike Stoops defense. I mean, when you look at the numbers that Tavon and Justin Crawford had running the ball, even that wildcat last year was kind mm-hmm. of engineered the same way inside zone, right inside zone left. And, and you gash him. Um, I don't see that right now with Oklahoma, but I don't see them stopping a lot of people um, on the ground, which is concerning because cold game, nighttime in the mountains um that's a good thing if you can do that and i think that's going to be west virginia's onus but it's really hard to resist greer sills jennings sims wesco and i think sometimes they kind of get caught between two identities here the smartest thing they could do was hold the ball you know get like 36 minutes of possession and win i don't know a 31 28 game um but I think the fun thing to do is flex your muscles, get into a track meet, and see if you can roll the dice and win 51 to 48. And sometimes they get caught in between those two things, and I just don't know what's going to happen. Oh, man, that's the same story I've been hearing all year with Oklahoma, too. So uh, You mentioned the the uh, health there on the uh, the inside there in the interior line. Has that been cleared up? Are they going to be able to run with their first string line? No idea. They they lie about injuries here and you know mislead you about injuries here all the time. I have no idea. Their starting right guard has been good to go for I think seven weeks and he hasn't played. Um, it's just it's just deception. That's all. I mean their, their depth chart on Monday night is a is like a it's like avant garde art right now. It's very different, <laughs> unusual. Um, guys who are out, you know they're out are starting and stuff like that. So it's it's just the way these people get away with this now. I don't know, but. Um, if they do have to switch their offensive lineup again, that's a big deal because um, they do a ton of inside stuff. Uh, they pull their guards a bunch sometimes on counterplays, and if you're doing backups or guys who aren't used to sweeping right to left, it changes things. It changes contact points. It changes your communication. All that stuff is complex, and that's a problem because when they did get going good, um, they really simplified thing on, things on their offensive line. They made life easier on their center. They just kind of made it to a one-point thing and go and let Greer handle the mess behind it. Um, but if you're kind of complicating the communication with different offensive linemen who hadn't been a part of that, that 
can practice things, but it takes in-game reps. It takes a lot of bullets to get that uh, that done. And the experience in the second half Saturday um, wasn't too formative, I don't think. Okay, Mike. So looking at the passing game, obviously the year started uh, pretty hot. They've still been uh, you know throwing the ball really well here of late. But is there anything in particular to look for there? They've narrowed it down a little bit. They've um they're they're kind of a team that has four pretty good receivers and they only use three. Um, they they like T.J. Simmons, who's the transfer from Alabama. He made a huge play his first game against Tennessee, but he's the fourth receiver on a team that uses three. They go with a ton of ten personnel. Excuse me, eleven personnel now. Because their tight end's very good. Their tight end is probably an NFL guy now, which you, you don't really put that together with West Virginia very often. Um, so they're using a lot of Sills and Jennings and Simmons, excuse me, Sims, which is good. That's their best three. They get those guys the ball a lot. Um, you know, earlier in the year, it was kind of fun to, to point at the stat sheet and say, oh, 12 guys caught a pass. And, oh, 10 people have a touchdown. That's great. But, you know, when they hit this stretch here, they've really kind of focused on their best players. And you haven't seen so much of their second line guys that you did early in the season. Now, Truth be told, those second-string guys, their job may be done. They might have been able to play you know, a dozen to 20 snaps a game and keep these guys fresh for the end of the season, which is fine. Um, that didn't happen last year. They didn't, they didn't have any receiver outside their top four get a target in Big 12 play last season. Mm-hmm. A target. Not even a catch, right? A target. Yeah. Which is crazy. And that changed this year because they have been able to use two, sometimes three off the bench, but you know, they don't do very much of those guys. They lean on who they have. What's been kind of fun is how they've used their tight end. Um if you if you saw them Saturday, you saw this a bunch. If you haven't seen them watch number eighty eight, their tight end, Trayvon Wesco. Um, again, really good player, pro quality player. And they're using two tight ends at times now because they can flex in and out of some fun formations and eighty four Giovanni Haskins, Miami transfer, um, he's kind of given them ability to go fast and switch up their formations without subbing because he can play slot every now and then, too. You see it here and there where he lines up in a slot and they get to go fast and they pick their spots with going fast lately. But um, it's a lot of the people that you know from last year and from box scores and games this year. Um, and they just do some things to get them free in different ways with its formations or personnel. Um, but they're still really good players that just. Uh, that you're kind of used to right now when they do something great, you're like, eh, I've seen that before, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is kind of unfair because they spoil you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I've definitely. I mean, having watched West Virginia in the past, I mean, they've all, it seems like they've always got three or four of those guys. So um, I guess, you know, then uh, looking at it, have, have any teams, I, I know that the most successful team, obviously, defending uh, the Mountaineers this year, that was that Iowa State game. Uh, anything special that Iowa State did there that you noticed that uh, you know teams can, I mean, uh, draw from that the Sooners can draw from this week? Yeah, it's it's really not a novel concept. Iowa State maybe does it better than anybody. I mean, that's that's how they beat Oklahoma last year, and, and TCU was pretty good last year in offense, and they beat them and shut them down. You know, they play that three man front with you know like a, a cloud of eight defenders behind it. Um, and that blitz can come from anywhere. It's really kind of fun to watch and review and, you know, all 22 stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You can see it happen. But when you when you see it live, they do a pretty good job of, of um, you know, keeping their intentions close to their, 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 their vest because it can be exposed if you're transparent about it. And they're not. But, you know, what they were really good at doing was keeping like a cone on – the defender of the receivers on either side. What I mean by that is uh, West Virginia did a lot of 10 personnel stuff. They hadn't yet fallen in love with their tight end like they have right now. So they're doing a lot of two receivers each side. And that was playing right into Iowa state. They would, you know, man up or in the zone up or whatever, uh, one-on-one across those two. And they have a safety over top. And then 
they also they generally kept three safeties deep. So if you have two sides and three safeties, you, you're able to double mm-hmm. either side. You devote three defenders to two receivers on either side, and then you can send one of those safeties. And they were doing that with a linebacker, and it was totally screwing up West Virginia's protection. Um, they really got after Greer that day, and it made that three-man rush a lot better. Um, but that's not really new for Iowa State. You see a lot of teams yeah. do it. Just did a little bit of but truth be told, West Virginia does a bunch of it in a 3-3-5 sense, not like a, a 3-2-1-5 that you kind of saw Iowa State mess with. But, you know, a lot of disguise coverages in the back um, was just really good that day. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, – and, you know, Iowa State ran the ball so well too. It really mm-hmm. you know, kept West Virginia off the field. So um, anything to watch in special teams? You know, uh, kicking game seems like it's been decent, right? Yeah, Oklahoma State got after him. Almost got – maybe two punts. I think they got their fingers on one, but what was kind of refreshing here, the, the, the calling card of West Virginia, the past couple of years on special teams was nothing could just happen. You know, special teams is kind of when you go to the bathroom or you get a drink yeah. or take a break. You couldn't do that <laughs> in a UVU game because something happened, a fumble, a block, a return, something bad. Um, and you, those became like eventful things and you just couldn't have a normal event on special teams. <laughs> true this year they 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 kind of you know they're good about getting yards in the return game and they're good about stopping yards in the return game their kickoff game has been very good their their place kicking has been pretty good um you're probably a strength considering this guy was a walk-on they gave him a scholarship um punting has been come and go but he's actually you know done his job you know placing the ball in good spots and helping the defense lately um it, it's not the nightmare that it used to be um i can't believe i'm saying that but it's actually nah. fairly reliable Fair enough, fair enough. Well, um, so I guess just anything that you think will be really key in this game, I mean, it seems like, you know, it's destined for a shootout at this point, but uh, any aspect of the game that you think is really worth watching or paying attention to? Murray running the ball is a pretty big deal, I think, and how much of it is designed. And I'm not really sure how much design stuff he does. I know he, he runs a bunch and he can do some things, but, you know, how much of it is him creating and reading, right? You know, an either or kind of play, but I think he can beat this defense on design stuff. Um, and then you you know that Lamb and Brown are going to make a play, um, but you want to stop them. But what happens when it happens? Because that's the stuff in the past. Like I think two years ago here, um, that screen pass early to Westbrook, you knew he was going to do something, right? Mm-hmm. And he did it right away, and they couldn't stop it. And I think that spooked West Virginia. Like, uh-oh. So if that happens right away, you kind of wonder about that. Um, so those are the two things I think are really important. Um, and then for West Virginia, Virginia's offense, um, one, I would watch 88 Wesco because he's so good just blocking. Mm-hmm. They use him as a weapon, um, as a passing game guy to really tenderize a little bit. But uh, everybody does kind of know about the receivers, but they use Bush in some ways that might be kind of fun against a defense like Oklahoma's where – you know, I saw Williams, for example, Puka Williams kind of running around and running mm-hmm. through him. Uh, Bush is not the same player. He's the closest that West Virginia has, and they do some gadget stuff with him on the run and the screens and jet sweeps, whatever. And that can be kind of fun. But um, as always with these two teams, who literally throws the first punch? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they fight. They don't like each other. And then two <laughs> they came in here, and they really bullied West Virginia, pushed them around and intimidated them, and, and really kind of like strutted and sauntered around West Virginia's field. And it totally took West Virginia out of its game. They never were in that game, even before they got buried under the turnovers and points. Because Oklahoma came in, and, and really, this is my block, and they weren't going to be knocked off of it. Um, there's a lot at stake. 
Friday. I mean, we haven't even talked about that. Like what's mm-hmm. the what's the stake there? Um, and this is West Virginia's chance to really pull the slingshot back and strike. And I don't think Oklahoma wants to give it up. Um, so I think that you're going to have you know some 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 pretty tense moments you know before the game, early on in the game, and then let's see which one of these teams like lands the first blow and the other and knocks the other team back and evokes a response, whether it's you know a bad possession, a penalty, bad body language, whoever is because those dents are going to be important when, you know, maybe these two teams are as close as they seem like they might be. Yeah, yeah. So real quickly, though, you did touch on it uh, in terms of what this game means. You know, uh, in some cases, a a loss like what happened last week would kind of take the wind out of your sails, right? But uh, I've got to think, though, that for, you know, Daniel Holgerson and the rest of the the team, even though the college football playoff is probably out of reach now, I mean, they've still got a lot to play for. I can't imagine they're that down about it. Yeah, well, they are sure. I mean, if they they knew that if they went three and zero, they were going to be they needed one or two things to happen ahead of them, and they were going to be in the playoff. Like if that's not a that's not a, a line. That's the truth. Like if they finished eleven and one, and if there was just mild chaos, I mean, they were going to be like the number six, number five team. So something may have happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's hard to get that close, especially after a loss, and you pick yourself back up and you get through a pretty tough stretch. So I'm sure that's a bummer. Um, but they responded really well to their first loss. I think that you're right. I think that a loss in the 10th game with the college football playoff on the line, that probably would stun a team like Oklahoma more because they've been there. Yeah. Like they know what that's like and to lose it. West Virginia's never been there, never experienced something like that. And they started out saying, Hey, we can win the big 12 this year and we'll see what happens. They can still win the big 12. My, my question for them though is, um, you know, they, they did rebound after the Oklahoma, excuse me, the uh, Iowa State loss, but they had a full off week yeah. and then a Thursday night game. This is a short week. Um, and again, with a team that's kind of bumped and bruised and wheezing a little bit toward the finish. And, you know, they're they're facing jet fuel on the other side, a team that that also knows, hey, we're still alive. If we boat race this team and we avenge our loss to Texas in the Big 12, man, maybe we're in that final four. Yeah, yeah, should be exciting stuff. Well, uh, hey, Mike, let everybody know where to find all your work. Well, uh, I work for 24-7 Sports now. Um, I'm E-E-R-Sports.com. Um, West Virginia fans, I did not come up with a name, so don't at me. And then uh, oh. my Twitter handle is at Mike Casaza, C-A-S-A-Z-Z-A. Folks, you can find Mike at uh, earsports.com. Make sure to check all his stuff out there. And also uh, find him on Twitter, as he mentioned, at uh, Mike Kazaza. So, Mike, thanks again so much, and uh, happy Thanksgiving, man. Hey, Alan. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you. All right. Thanks to our guest, Mike Kazaza of Ear Sports. Make sure to check all his work out. And thanks to you all for joining us, too. For the Boynt Overs and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.